What's up, guys? Welcome back to Sit Down with Sid Podcast. This is season two, episode number eight. Our guest today is a visionary yoga instructor, a health coach, and an author who loves helping people live into their potential. She has taught thousands to relax, eat well, move, breathe, and age well through yoga, health coaching, and inspirational content. Her writing combines her love of ancient healing arts and scientific inquiry, and her mission in life is to transform Americans' relationship with the aging process by bringing generations together on the yoga mat and beyond. Without further ado, it is my pleasure to welcome from San Francisco, California, our guest today, Elise Marie Collins. Hi, Elise. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be our guest. We really appreciate it. Um, so, Elise, before we kind of get into the segment of this podcast, would you mind taking a minute or two to give our audience a little bit about your life, your background, etc.? Yeah, well, I I started out... I didn't, I wasn't born a yoga teacher. I, I started doing yoga when I was uh, going to school. I actually got, I already had my undergraduate and I was just kind of testing out classes. I was going to San Francisco state and there was, I was taking dance classes and I found yoga. I found a yoga teacher and I loved it. It was really early in the morning for me because I was not a morning person at that time. And I thought Shavasana was a nap. Really you're supposed to be relaxed and not falling asleep but you do sometimes and I needed sleep so I would sleep through shavasana that's how I found yoga and then much later in life I found gerontology just kind of through a fluke okay so that segments into my next question which I wanted to ask you was gerontology your first preference as a carrier or did it grow on you uh, it definitely found me um in a couple different ways I had no idea there was something called gerontology, a lot of universities, I mean, it's pretty hard to find uh, gerontology, though that is probably changing because as you may or may not know, the whole planet is aging. So there's a much greater need for a lot of services and um, you know, taking care of our elders is gonna become more and more important as everyone in every country all over the world, including the United States, um, we need to figure out, you know, how are we gonna take care of these elders? How are we gonna grow old as well? Cause everybody's every day getting older. So I found gerontology or it found me when I was taking a campus tour at USC with my son. My son was getting ready to go to undergraduate and I was, we weren't on a formal tour. I was with my brother and my son. My brother had gone to USC for business school and we were walking around looking at the different buildings. And I saw this building that said gerontology. And I was like, what is that? And it, I, I just was like, I felt like it was a magnet trying to attract me. I wanted to go there, but then I was like, okay, I got to stay focused my, we're looking at this school for my son, but it just was in the back of my mind. And I later researched it and actually found a way to go to the school online and sometimes in person because my brother lives in LA. I would go visit him mm -hmm. and attend classes in gerontology. And it was great because my son went to college. He um, went far away. He went to New York and I enrolled in um, a master's degree in gerontology. So how has that been going so far? Do you do you see a lot of use of that uh, profession in today's world? 
Yes. Um, I don't directly work. I mean, I'd say I do a lot of different work in the field mm-hmm. in aging, but what I have found it's helped me the most is to just really think about how the habits, how the things that we do right now, whether we're uh, a teenager, whether we are, you know, in our twenties, like my son or middle-aged or older, all these things are leading you up to being an elder and we would be lucky to get there. Right. So I say elder because sometimes we say senior, but that could be, sometimes people say senior and they mean someone over 50. Sometimes they mean over 65. So wherever you think old is, we have to get there. And I believe the way to get there is to live a happy, healthy, productive life. If we're just burning ourselves out, um, you know, sometimes we have this expression, burning the candle on both ends, that's going to usually lead to either chronic illness or, you know, health difficulties, health challenges that are going to be hard to sustain. And unfortunately, what's happening uh, to a lot of older adults is that they're living longer, but they might not, the quality of life is not optimum. So, so where does a gerontologist come in that place? So is your main aim to improve that quality of life for them to live longer? Yes, because gerontology, uh, we study everything about life. Mm-hmm. And it's very similar. I think of gerontology as very similar to Ayurveda because Ayurveda is the study of life and gerontology right. is the study of life. Uh, so we call in gerontology, we call it the life course. And what the life course means is, you know, you're born, you go through all these stages and these stages lead up to aging. You can't just, you know, like a lot of uh, academic subjects, we just isolate everything. Okay. You can't really do that with aging. You, you've, you've gotten there because of all these things that have led up to it. Your childhood influences how you age. Your teenage, your 20s, all these things have some kind of impact and influence. Mm-hmm. And everything, just like Ayurveda and a lot of the Eastern traditions, they look at health from this perspective as well. It's not just, oh, you have an illness, we're going to cure you. Here's the medicine. Here's this. It's uh, more what well, we call it holistic because you're looking at everything. So that's why I love gerontology because it is science, social science, and it combines everything so that we can you know, look at a blueprint. That's what I think of as Ayurveda. We can look at a blueprint for mm-hmm. where a person is now and where they can go to live a healthier and more fun and productive life. You know, it's 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 great that you bring these points up. So I'm originally from India. You know, I migrated to the United States uh, 17 years ago. And, you know, we have, uh, we have this philosophy. Um, I apologize for that. We have this philosophy, you know, it's the cycle of life, you know, and Ayurveda is actually so big that um, along with yoga, which we will dive into after this, it has been it has been adopted by the Western society, you know, Western countries of this world, you know. Um, But for for me, I do have a lot of in-depth knowledge. And uh, for me to someone like yourself has uh, have you as a guest is very intriguing as well as it's very intellectual, you know, because it kind of takes me back to my roots also. And, you know, it kind of refreshes my memory and I can learn more from people like yourself, you know. 
coming from the Western country, adopting the Eastern culture, bringing it back to the Western country and helping people, you know, lead a healthy life. Um, so that being said, I want to talk about yoga. I know you, you do love yoga. So how did you get into yoga and how long have you been practicing so far? Um, let's see. I've been practicing about 30 years and I got into it again because I just was like, what? I was always very curious and interested and I loved yoga because I never, I wasn't an athlete or I, I just didn't consider myself. I, I wasn't really into to, I mean, working out wasn't as big of a thing 30 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, but I loved yoga because what spoke to me was it, it was to connect to myself. And I came from, I call myself, well, I, I say I come from a family of nutty professors and we, everyone in my family is not, you know, they, they're in their minds a lot and not so much thinking about their bodies when I was five years old, I walked into a tree, you know, I was Mm -hmm. just like, la la la. I was kind of like a space cadet. And in, in, when I heard about yoga and Ayurveda, I was like, oh, this explains everything. You know, I have a lot of air and I like to think about ideas, but I need that physical embodiment. So that's how I personally fell in love with yoga because it wasn't competitive. Uh, some people do try to make it competitive uh, or think that it's bad or good. But the way that I was taught was it was to listen to myself and make a connection. So do you feel that yoga is more, I mean, I'm talking about on a broader perspective, you know, is it more mental or physical? Do you feel like it's an alternative form of healing or medicine? Or do you think, is it a way of life just to exercise and meditate? I love this question. I love this question because it it gets us to think about what it is. And it's, again, um, I think that sometimes we want to categorize something. I think it's got different meaning for everyone. And I always go back to the base, um, the Sanskrit word yoga means Mm -hmm. to yoke. Mm -hmm. So I always try to direct people back to that because your union, Sid's union is going to be different than my union. You might need more meditation. You might need more breathing, or I might need more uh, physical poses because I just get light and airy and I need to come down to earth, so to speak. And the way I teach my classes, um, right now I'm teaching a couple classes online and a couple classes in person. Mm-hmm. And I, I love to teach gentle, restorative, and slower flow classes. And the reason I like to do that is because I can combine both. When you're doing a fast vinyasa class, I will sub those classes where they're much more physical, where you know, you're know you just telling people different poses. I always throw in things that are inspiring or I might not always refer to the chakras, but I'm kind of bringing that layer of mind, body, spirit into the class. Mm-hmm. But I find it's much easier with a, a slow class because people have time to think. If I'm just like, okay, what's the next pose? My mind is completely occupied with doing something physical. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so... So I know you mentioned, um, so before I would dive into this question, so I have a question for you. Now, do you follow a certain set of guides 
that you use in your yoga teaching for someone who is a beginner someone who is an intermediate or someone who is an advanced level and and do you have any criteria how you judge like this person you know as you said like you must have some kind of set things in your mind okay this is what i'm going to teach in this class to this group of people versus to the group of people who are advanced how do you how do you separate those you know being a yoga teacher yeah that's a great question as well and um because most of the classes that i teach are open to anyone and people can just walk in off the street although i do my online classes are people that have been with me for years uh and newcomers but i'd say mostly you know people that know me a little better than just walking in off the street. So I try to address everyone coming in and I try to just embrace wherever they're coming from. Because again, I'm teaching gentle or slower yoga. I might have a student who's injured. For example, mm -hmm. yesterday I had a student who had um, broken some ribs and slipped a disc in her back. Mm -hmm. And she's used to doing much more physical yoga. So I'll say, you know, maybe you're here because you have an injury or you're very tired. Sometimes people come to the more gentle classes because they've had an exhausting weekend and they normally, maybe they prefer a more physical class. So I'll just say, if you're here for that reason, you're also going to get to clear your mind. I tell them the benefits and that reinforces uh, that they can start to, oh, I can let go of these habitual thoughts and patterns because I think we don't even realize sometimes a, that we're thinking certain things over and over, like, oh, I'm doing this wrong. You know, that can be something that we, maybe we heard that in childhood and maybe we're not even sure what we're doing wrong. You know, honestly, sometimes we're right. just like, oh, I did that wrong. And, and is that really a thought that's going to help us? It's not going to help you with yoga because there's no wrong way to do it. So let's let that go and see what comes in. Maybe something more powerful, a great idea. So I'll address everyone. I'll say, you know, if you're a beginner, sometimes beginners come, sometimes um, maybe someone who's older and it feels doesn't want to go to a vinyasa class because it's going to mm -hmm. be too much for them. You know, I, I mean, elders are all levels. Sometimes there's elders that are very good at doing vinyasa. So um, I just try to say hello to everyone and remind them what they can get out of it, because I know that sometimes you're in that slow class and your mind starts to wander like, oh, maybe I should be doing the laundry. If you remember the power of it, then you're likely to think, oh, I should just be present for this experience. Right. And I think I think in this such fast pacing uh, environment that we live in, uh, personally for myself, I find it really hard to be present at a certain moment because I have a million things going on in my mind. And uh, that is a challenge actually even for myself. So it's great that you brought this point up and uh, maybe I should definitely take some yoga classes as well. <laughs> so I, I do see that you're very passionate about yoga. You want to help people. But if I wanted to ask you one reason, why are you doing this? Why you want to spread this? Um, why do you want to teach yoga? What's that passion that drives you to do that? What would that be? my the passion behind the passion yes um, because i want to help people move from that love of power to the power mm -hmm. of love oh that's great so that that's pretty deep the power of love to the the love of power to the power of love yeah and i didn't start i didn't say that that's a quote that's 
I don't even know. It's attributed to several different people, but that really resonates with me. I -hmm. think collectively we're really needing to move into our hearts and we've been in such a power, power, power. So yoga is one of those tools that helps everybody to get over all that stuff with the power, trying to have power over someone or somebody having power over us. Great. So um, I want to now, uh, first, I want to also congratulate you for your new book that we want to talk about that has been nominated for the Army Awards. Um, uh, you know, your new book, Chakra Tonics. Uh, before we kind of get into the book, you know, do you want to take this moment to explain to people who don't know what are chakras? Because I remember in the initial conversation, you mentioned that now you're also moving a little bit from yoga to the chakras, you know, strategy. So do you want to tell us and our audience, what are chakras? And then we'll go right into your book. Yeah, chakras are an ancient, I'd say a wisdom system. They Mm -hmm. don't really exist in, um, they don't exist in the physical, you know, we can't touch a chakra, we can't hold it, or we can't see it under a microscope. Mm -hmm. But we can use it as an attention point. And we can use it to uh, understand how things are interrelated because sometimes it's hard for the mind to grasp that. So you can visualize uh, a wheel, a circle of energy at the base of your spine. Mm-hmm. And you can think about all that that means. That center is your root center, your mul- your muladhara chakra. And mm-hmm. that is rooting you into the earth. And so it's going to give you stability and it's going to, coincide with different um, physical aspects of our being, our pelvis and our legs and how we feel connected to, um, again, stability and earth. And I want to say something, I want to back up a little and say, it's it's similar to if you remember maybe the um, bedroom that you slept in last night. Mm-hmm. That's a room. Now you're not there right now, but you can close your eyes or even with your eyes open. Sometimes we can remember what it looks like, Mm -hmm. or we could even go back and remember a room from our childhood, maybe our bedroom or the kitchen table. It doesn't exist maybe the same way that it did back then, but it's something that we can visualize and it's kind of stores memories. And that's what the chakras are. Okay, great. So I want to talk about your book, Chakra Tonics, uh, Essential Elixirs for the Mind, Body, and the Spirit. Um, first question is, what made you, I know you have written other books as well, and uh, we are going to actually put a description of your uh, book that's on Amazon in the description of this video, the link, and people can also see the other books that you have written as well. So now back to this book. What motivated you to come out with this book? And, and, you know, in a nutshell, you know, what is this book about? This book, I have it right here, Chakra Tonics, Essential Elixirs for the Mind, Body, and Spirit. It is a little handbook that's fun and easy to read that helps you to reconnect with that divine blueprint. I believe each one of us has a kind of a fingerprint. We have a fingerprint, but it's our soul and our spirit and our mind coming together. And through our chakras, we can come back into balance. And I also have healing elixirs. So using healing elixirs and the chakras 
coming back to who you truly are. So you can flip through this book and it tells you about each of the chakras. I spoke about the root chakra. There's the belly center. Mm -hmm. There is um, the heart, as I spoke of. And I think they resonate for everybody because there's their universal knowledge. You can look up where you're out of balance and then you can find a tonic and rituals to come back into balance. And it's a, it's again, I like to make it fun and not something where you don't want to keep picking it up and enjoying it. I mean, I've, I have actually read the reviews that you have and you actually have stellar five star reviews. And now I'm actually kind of interested to actually read on this book as well. So um, now, now, you know, I saw that it was also nominated for the Army Awards. Uh, tell us a little bit about these awards and, and is there a certain set of criteria or factors where you get uh, nominated for uh, this uh, awards? It's, I actually don't. Maybe my publisher or someone nominated me. I'm not exactly sure, but okay. my book was nominated in the Alternative Health and Healing books and there's it's a very interesting it's all kinds of practitioners and books mm -hmm. um the i think i think you just search omis o-m-m-i-e-s and i don't know if i've reached the next level because i was nominated and there was a lot of great books that were mm -hmm. also nominated so i was honored to be one of them and then there's a voting period and I think the next level, they're going to announce the next three finalists, or maybe they'll just tell us who wins. Because when you get to the next level, then there's going to be judges that read your book, or I guess if you're a practitioner, I don't know what they do. Maybe um, they decide who is the winner out of the three. So right now I'm at a waiting stage. I'm not sure uh, if I'll get to the next level, but I'm hoping I do. Listen, we wish you all the very best and, and, and uh, you know, for the best outcome for yourself and your book. Um, I want to ask you a question, you know, on the yoga. Uh, how has yoga changed your life personally? And if there was yoga in your life, will you be the same person that you are today? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, it's totally See, the reason, I'm, the reason I'm asking this question is, you know, um, as I mentioned, you know, I had a couple of stats on the yoga, you know, I mean, it is considered as one of the top fitness trends in the world, you know, over 300 million people around the globe are, you know, practicing yoga. And as I said, the Western countries are adopting to the Eastern, you know, tradition of yoga, Ayurveda, you know, and all that. So from my point of view, I want to know, you know, how has it impacted you as a personal, as a person on personal, professional, emotional uh, levels of your life? Yeah, I think I, I've always been a naturally more anxious, jumpy, agitated person. Mm -hmm. So if I wasn't practicing yoga, I would never be where I am today. I don't think I would be as healthy or not even healthy at all. Uh, I just naturally was more disconnected with my body. Mm -hmm. so, and I'm very sensitive. So I love teaching students that are similar to me. And they usually, they're the ones, now more and more people are doing yoga, but I think we're also at a critical juncture where there's so much stress in the world. 
There's so many distractions that in order to literally survive or in, in order to thrive, we need tools that mm -hmm. are going to help us to not be as distracted. So I started out, if I hadn't, if I didn't have yoga, I think I would really, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure what I would be like, but it, it wouldn't be a pretty picture. I, I just feel much happier with myself and I'm a naturally joyful person. I just think I wouldn't be so joyful. I think yoga and Ayurveda help you. The, they're designed to help you find your joy. And I, that's what I wanted in life more than anything. So is, so is it fair to say that yoga for you has been a path of enlightenment and finding yourself? Yes. And now I want to bring that to others and especially those that also want to change the world. My favorite students and health coaching clients are those that are doing really groundbreaking things in the world. And it's not always easy. Mm -hmm. They have great, they're creative and sensitive and they have great ideas, but they need support. And the yoga and the health coaching and the Ayurveda helps them. It boosts them up and helps them to get their uh, dreams and messages and inspirational, um, the change makers. I love those, those students and clients. So do you teach online? Do you teach hybrid or do you teach only in person and uh, tell our audience a little bit about more. So if they want to contact you, you know, how can they do that? Yeah. So I teach a yoga class online on Saturdays and Mondays mm -hmm. and anyone can join. And it's, it's actually very gentle, very accessible. I've had new students join and I've had, you know, I have my students that have come for years and they know my style, which is gentle, but it's going to give them a little bit of um, physical, you know, opening some stretching. We don't do anything really super active on those poses. I mean, on those classes, because I think I want to do that more in person and the in-person classes are not hybrid. I teach in San Francisco at a place called yoga Mayu mm -hmm. can email me. If you'd like to join my classes online and my name, I think you have it. It's Elise Marie Collins at Gmail. It's spelled just like it is on my book at Gmail, no dots or anything. Okay. You can also find me on Instagram, Elise Marie Collins yoga. And I have a link. My link tree is in there as well with all kinds of goodies. Great. And we are going to actually add all links for yourself, including your email address. So people can actually reach out to you, you know, if they have any questions or they want to join your classes. Um, I have a couple of other questions before we wrap this up. You, you know, what is the difference between, and this is a question for me personally as well, asking you, a difference between a hot yoga and a regular yoga? Because I have tried both of them once. And they both are intense on another level. There is no, like they're completely different. So being a yoga instructor and a teacher, can you give us your two cents on this? Like, like what is the difference, you know? Yeah. Um, well, a lot of classes, I, I know there's even something called heated vinyasa, where the temperature is going to be elevated. Um, you know, I'm not sure what the degrees are. But mm -hmm. I think the idea, this is my understanding, is that, you're going to be looser. Your muscles are going to be more pliable, looser. And uh, some people have even said it's like being in India because mm -hmm. like in San Francisco, it gets really cold. Uh, and you need to have more heat when you're teaching gentler classes because people actually start to get cold. Okay. So 
Yeah. And, and vinyasa naturally, um, or hot yoga, I think it's usually doing more vigorous, strenuous poses. And those type of classes are already going, going to generate a lot of heat. So I would say some of us need more heat and then some of us need to cool down a little bit, you know, okay. some people that those classes are great. Also, I've heard they're really good for, uh, detoxing your liver. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, do you have any favorite yogi or a guru that inspires you? Um, my favorite yogi, I have a lot of favorite yogis, but I'll say one living is Judith Lassiter. Mm -hmm. And she was one of the founders of Yoga Journal Magazine. She started restorative yoga as it's known today. She started that form of yoga because her brother died. She was an Iyengar yoga teacher and studied closely with um, BKS Iyengar. And when her brother died uh, unexpectedly, she just couldn't do the same vigorous um, or more taxing physical yoga. So she found it she only wanted to rest on bolsters. And so she kind of started this practice, which she calls restorative. And there's different forms, but the I, I really love the way she teaches. She also brings in a lot of nonviolent communication, which has helped me um, in my mission, which I've told you to help people move from the love of power to the power of love. Mm -hmm. So I find her practice and wisdom embraces that. I'll mention one other yogi that is no longer with us, but you can find her um, through the beauty of uh, We Live On through YouTube. Uh, and that is Dao Porshan Lynch. And um, she's a yoga teacher, was born in India in um, Pondicherry. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. And Perfect, uh, yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> she, uh, she actually marched with Gandhi. She's an amazing story. Some people call her like Forrest Gump. <laughs> she marched with Gandhi. She was a Hollywood actress. And then she became a yoga. Well, she became somewhere along the line. Actually, she was always doing yoga, but she okay. started teaching more as she was older. She lived to be 101 or 102. Oh, wow. Okay. It's a wonderful TED Talk. And it, it brings everything together. It brings together yoga and that beauty of living along and um enlightened life amazing uh uh Elise, um as a closing statement uh if there is anything you want to convey to our audience about yoga about your book about something that we missed um please uh go ahead i would say yoga means union and you can practice it in this moment we can take a deep breath together and that is union so let's take a deep breath together And we just did yoga together. That's amazing. That's amazing. Alisa, I want to thank you very much for your time. I know you're busy, you know. So uh, once again, we appreciate you for uh, coming on our podcast to be our guest. You know, we um, I really had a intriguing and very intellectual conversation with you. And uh, we want to wish you all the very best for your book, Chakra Tonics. For, so for our audience, uh, the link of the book will be in the description. We would recommend you to go to that link, purchase her book, you know, let's help her contribute her cause and um, make sure, you know, that uh, she does win the award. You know, that's our um, end goal. And uh, 
I also want to apologize to the audience. We had a couple of uh, technical glitches on our end. So apologies for that. And uh, um, once again, Elise, thank you so much for your time. It was really great to have you on the podcast. And uh, I really had a great conversation with you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be with you. Really fun interview. Thank you so much. You take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.